0: Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode number two hundred and eighty of the Bible twenty twenty one podcast. We are reading Psalm chapter one hundred and one today, and our focus is on what the Bible teaches about government, law enforcement, and justice, plus delays in answered prayer and how we are supposed to deal with those. Well, every day we get into God's word, we Read it verse by verse. We think about it. We seek to understand it. We seek, most importantly, to obey it and follow it. And our goal is to encourage you in daily Bible intake, daily Bible following and understanding. And I would invite you to share the show with friends and neighbors. Tell them about it. Ask them to subscribe and check it out. And the best way you can maybe point people to understand the show or subscribe to the show or find out more about it is our website, which is Bible2021.com. That's Bible2021.com. Well, law enforcement, justice, government, that's a very strange topic for us all. But before I grew up uh, becoming a pastor, I actually wanted to be in law enforcement for, oh, almost two decades. And surprisingly enough, I didn't go that direction, although I was very close. I went with being a pastor, but it's a topic near and dear to our my heart. But before we dive into our main topic, let's address a topic that's not at all a strange topic for a psalm. Let's read the first two verses, which says, I will sing of faithful love and justice. I will sing praise to you, Lord. I will pay attention to the way of integrity. When will you come to me? Now, as we've talked about multiple times, the Bible doesn't give us an unrealistic view of how things work spiritually. Hallmark cards uh, or generic Christian greeting cards, best-selling but fluffy Christian books, Christian t-shirts, and maybe a certain subset of preachers who like to tickle ears can and do give us a warped and distorted view of what it's like to follow God. But I don't find that kind of thing in the Bible. Instead, we get statements like we see in verse 2. God, I'm worshiping you. I'm singing to you. I'm proclaiming your faithful love and justice. Hey, I'm following your commands and living a life of integrity. I'm seeking you. But hey, where are you? How many times have you and I been in a situation like that? We're desperate to hear from God. We're praying. We're worshiping him. We're obeying him. We're pursuing him in faith. And wondering where he is and why his answer tarries. Now, let me be clear. Sometimes God answers our prayers just like he answered Elijah's prayer for fire on Mount Carmel, suddenly, immediately, and spectacularly. And sometimes, and I dare say more often, his answers are delayed, such as in this passage. And sometimes his answers are quite different from what we are asking, such as when Jesus prayed to have the cup taken from him in the Garden of Gethsemane. God usually does not answer our prayers immediately, does he? He sometimes answers them quite differently than what we've asked and sometimes of course the answer is no. And this reality is exactly what we would expect from reading about the experiences of God's people in the Bible. That's what we see modeled in the Bible, it's what we see in real life. And so if you're in a situation where you are pursuing God. You're worshiping him. You're doing the right thing. You're saying the right thing. If he hasn't answered you yet, keep praying. It's exactly what Jesus is teaching us in Luke 18, 1 through 8, right? And keep praying and live with a heart of integrity. You are not alone. God's timetable is not ours. With him, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. And the more you read the Psalms, the more you're going to realize that kind of thing. And what does King David do in this psalm while he's waiting for God to answer his prayer? Well, apparently, he's seeking to do what pleases God while he waits to hear from him. Is this some sort of like a bribery scheme by David? Like, I'm going to do good and maybe you'll notice and answer my prayers? Well, look, I don't know. I doubt it, though, because there doesn't seem to be that feeling here in the psalm, but You know, I do imagine that it is a particularly good thing to live a God-pleasing life while we are desperately seeking God, right? Nothing wrong with that. Uh, And what God-pleasing thing does David do while he waits for God? Well, interestingly enough, he pursues wrongdoers and executes justice in his kingdom. And yes, this is written when David was uh, king. And that's one of the roles of the king, the executive branch in God's kingdom of Israel, the King oversaw the dispensing of justice, as we see pointed out in passages like proverbs twenty nine four The King gives stability to the land by justice, but a man who takes bribes overthrows it, and as we might have uh, remembered when the Queen of Sheba praised Solomon in second chronicles nine eight She talks about wisdom too. She says, Blessed be the Lord your God. He delighted in you and put you on his throne as king for the Lord your God. Because your God loved Israel enough to establish them forever, he has set you over them as king to carry out justice and righteousness. We also see this connection between the king as the head of the government and justice when King Solomon asked for wisdom from God rather than riches and power. And God saw that request for wisdom tied closely to justice. In 1 Kings 3 verse 10, it says, now it pleased the Lord that Solomon had requested this. So God said to him, because you've requested this and did not ask for long life or riches for yourself or the death of your enemies, but you asked discernment for yourself to administer justice, I will therefore do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and understanding heart so that there has never been anyone like you before and never will be again. So yeah, you see that? The the thing that The wisdom that Solomon asked for had very close ties to justice because that's his role as the king, to administer justice. Even Jesus, the king above all kings, will establish justice and righteousness. He will punish evil and he will protect and uphold the righteous. Isaiah 9, 7 prophesies about him, his dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. And so, yes, punishing evil is quite in line with what the king as the leader of the government is supposed to do. This pleases God as David notes in today's psalm verse 7, no one who acts deceitfully will live in my palace, the one who tells lies will not be retained here to guide me. Every morning I will destroy all the wicked of the land, wiping out all evil doers from the Lord's city. Now, this may seem somewhat stark to us because many of us see God primarily as a god of mercy. And yes, of course, As we talked about before, he abounds in loving kindness and he shows mercy to a thousand generations. And yet, listen to how he describes himself in Exodus 34, 6 and 7. The Lord, the Lord is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love and truth, maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity, rebellion and sin. But... He will not leave the guilty unpunished, bringing the consequences of the father's iniquity on the children and grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. Yes, God delights in justice and mercy. But, well, what does that have to do with today? Most of us listening are not under the judicial authority of the king, so what does the New Testament say to Christians about justice, government, and law enforcement? Surely, right, the New Testament being centered on Jesus would... Call for governments to be more merciful, right? Well, I don't know if that's the case. Christians are, yes, called to forgive and show mercy in the New Testament. Repeated forgiveness over and over again, 70 times, 7 times, says Jesus. But governments? Well, it turns out that's different. Consider what Paul says in Romans 13, verse 2. So then... The one who resists the authority is opposing God's command, and those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves, for rulers are not a terror to good conduct but to bad. Do you want to be unafraid of the one in authority? Do what is good and you will have its approval, for it is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, because it does not carry the sword for no reason. For it is God's servant, an avenger, that brings wrath on the one who does wrong. Wow. Now look, this is a much debated and discussed passage in Christian ethics, and there's no way we can fully dive into it in just a few minutes of this podcast, but Romans 13 obviously gives a warrant of sorts to governments to punish wrongdoing, and it calls people to do good and not break laws. We could get into quite a bit of nuance here, but clearly Romans 13 not only allows and legitimizes law enforcement and the judicial and governmental punishment of those who do evil, but it actively calls for justice as a good thing. Now, obviously, I know there's corrupt law enforcement and there's corrupt government out there. The Bible does not support that, but government at its core is supposed to reward good And punish evil. Now, does this Romans 13 passage allow for capital punishment? Again, it's a much debated topic and we could spend an hour or more talking about it. But let me say this my opinion, I would certainly say it allows for capital punishment, given the line says the government does not carry the sword for no reason but it does not necessarily mandate capital punishment in every situation there's some nuance there one more passage on the duty of governments to punish wrongdoing we've talked before about a christian's call to submit to the government out of first peter chapter 2 but this time pay attention to the duty of government in this particular passage first peter chapter 2 verse 13 and 14 Submit to every human authority because of the Lord, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors as those sent out by him to punish those who do what is evil and to praise those who do what is good. So governors and their governments and their representatives. This should probably for us be read as elected officials. They have as part of their duty to punish those who do what is evil and, on the other hand, to praise those who do what is good. Both of those things should be done by a God-pleasing government. Wherever we are, let's make it our prayer that God would renew our government's vigor and focus on these two God-pleasing tasks Punishing those who do evil and praising those who do good. That pleases God. Justice pleases God. Well, let's go ahead and read our full passage. Psalm 101, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. I will sing of faithful love and justice. I will sing praise to you, Lord. I will pay attention to the way of integrity. When will you come to me? I will live with a heart of integrity in my house. I will not let anything worthless guide me. I hate the practice of transgression. It will not cling to me. A devious heart will be far from me. I will not be involved with evil. I will destroy anyone who secretly slanders his neighbor. I cannot tolerate anyone with haughty eyes or an arrogant heart. My eyes favor the faithful of the land so that they may sit down with me. The one who follows the way of integrity may serve me. No one who acts deceitfully will live in my palace. The one who tells lies will not be retained here to guide me. Every morning I will destroy all the wicked of the land, wiping out all evildoers from the Lord's city. Amen. Well, we close with our Bible memory passage for the month of October, which is, of course, 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Dear friends, let us love one another, because love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Amen. Well, good day to you, friends, and Godspeed.